So this morning, uh, I want to talk about um, how we connect with people uh, every day, how we connect with uh, people in the church, how we connect with people on the outside world, uh, outside of church, how we you know, connect with people on the phone, just basically how we interact with, with everyone. And uh, there's usually one of two things that happen when you, when you connect with someone. Uh, whether it's in the church, outside the church, whatever, you either build uh, a bridge uh, of connection or you build a wall of separation. And so that's what I want to talk about today is bridges versus walls. And uh, I said this at the, uh, at, the, at the first service, but it's not anything political. Um, I know, yeah, I'm not going to talk about a physical wall being, being built by anyone or, or whatever. Uh, I'm talking about a invisible wall or an invisible bridge that we may build uh, when we interact uh, with people. And so we have walls. What does a wall do? It, it separates uh, two things, right? We have a wall right here. It separates us from the parking lot. Um, a wall is a separator. A bridge uh, connects two points. Point A to point B, uh, a bridge is, is something that connects. And so uh, just so we have a, a, a foundation. And here lately, man, um, you know, the past... I don't know, a couple months, I've really been looking into the life of Jesus. I've been studying about um, how he interacted with people, how he interacted with culture, um, and, and the stuff that he did. Uh, Jesus was, was the ultimate uh, bridge builder. You know, he, he would take groups of people who were outcast in that society, and, and he would uh, connect with them in such a way that, that they would uh, come running to him, you know? And, and so um, in our culture now, you can go on social media and everything and the news. I don't watch the news, but, um, and everyone's so divided, man. You know, there's, there's uh, so much division going on in our, in our society. Um, people believe a certain way in the church and, and they fight about it. Um, and then politically, I said I wasn't going to get political, but uh, one group believes one thing and the other group believes the other and, and, and they're divided. Uh, all across our society, there's so much division, and I think it's a perfect time for the church, um, church people, to, to start connecting with people. And instead of building walls that people have to, you know, climb over to get our message, uh, we actually build a bridge, and we walk across that bridge and meet people where they were, are, like Jesus did. And so myself, man, I, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of uh, not a people person. And um, I'm, an, I'm a very introverted type guy. Uh, my place is up in the mountains somewhere by myself, um, and, and I'm fine. And so, and so God, with his sense of humor, called me to ministry. And um, so I was like, dude, i got to figure this out because I'm not a people person. And, uh, you know, I, I build walls everywhere I go. I don't, I don't connect with people. And so uh, there's a, a scripture, First uh, John two six, where um, it says, uh, "Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk the same way in which he walked." And so you know, people take that and they and they think that um, you know we have to 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 walk as Jesus walked, like we we can't you know uh, commit sin or whatever. We have to be perfect. Uh, but, but how did Jesus walk on this earth? He walked in his uh, authority. He walked in his identity. And, and, and he walked in such a way that he connected with everyone. 
you know, no matter who they were, and everyone was valuable to him. So what I started studying was how Jesus interacted with people, and you know, because I sucked at it, and so I wanted to be good at it because I was called to ministry, and so uh, I wanted to do it the way that Jesus did, yeah. right? I wanted to walk as he walked in that, in that aspect. And so uh, there's a story in John, John 4, um, that I pulled three lessons from Jesus on how to build uh, bridges instead of walls, right? And so uh, as we look in John 4, let's, let's just read, and, you know, um, it starts off with, with Jesus, and he's traveling, and he stops at this place called Samaria. And in Samaria, there is a group of people called the uh, Samaritans. And Jesus was Jewish, and these people um, were Samaritans. And the two groups of people always butted heads. They hated each other. Uh, and it stretched back hundreds of years before Jesus was even you know, around. Uh, the Samaritans and the Jews, they, they, they clashed. Um, they hated each other. And so Jesus is traveling, and, and we pick up in the story that, that he stops um, in Samaria. So we'll start in verse 4. And just, uh, you know, I'm going to be skipping around a lot. There's a lot in this story. Uh, but what I want to pull out of this story is, is how Jesus was able uh, to, to connect with this woman that we're going to talk about. And, and he built a bridge instead of a wall, and he totally transformed this whole city. And so we'll, we'll pick up um, in verse We'll pick up in verse 4. And it says, uh, Now he had uh, to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, uh, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Uh, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. And so it, it, it says that Jesus sat down. He stopped in the place that they hated Jews, right? And he was Jewish. And so he didn't pass through to get out of there real quick. He stopped there, okay? Verse 7, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, uh, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Because his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, uh, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Uh, how can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So she just brings it, you know, she just lays it all out there. She said, how are you even asking me? Uh, for a drink, you know, my people don't like your people, and, and, you know, she was drawn back, and by the way, at that time, Jewish men weren't allowed to talk to women, it was, it was kind of looked down upon, it was like a disgrace, so he's not only talking to a Samaritan woman, he's, al he's also just talking to a woman, period, whether, you know, it doesn't matter if she's Jewish or Samaritan, so there's that, uh, skip down to verse 15, the woman said to him, uh, uh, you know, they have this exchange. They start to have this exchange. And, um, you know, he, he talks about living water and stuff. We're not going to talk about that. But uh, the woman says to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty. Um, and he told her, Go call your husband and come back. And she said, I have no husband. And he said, Yeah, you're right. Uh, you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five of them, and the man you are now with is not your husband. And so Jesus, like, calls, like, he lays it all out, right? He's like, yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, he lets her know that, that he knows how she's living, right? So, so he puts that out on the table. And then she said, uh, you know, I can see you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but uh, you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will 
worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Um, you Samaritans worship. So he's basically just telling, it doesn't matter how you guys worship. We worship one way, you worship the other way. And there's going to come a time when we're all going to worship uh, together, right? So he, sh- she brings up the differences in the two people when he brings up how she's living. So everything's out there on the table between Jesus and this woman. Skip down to verse um, 27. It says, Then his disciples returned, surprising to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked, uh, you know, why he was talking with her. And then leaving her water jar there, we'll come back to that later, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And then they came out of their town toward him, right? So now you have these Samaritans, coming towards Jesus, okay? Skip to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Uh, So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and because of his words, many more became believers. All right, so to sum up the story, Jesus is Jewish. This woman's Samaritan. The Jews hate the Samaritans, the Samaritans hate the Jews. And because Jesus built a bridge instead of a wall, he was able to connect with these people who the Jews hated. And then um, he transformed that town through a connection. That's the story. See you guys next week. We'll... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I said that in the first service too. It's like, no, but that's the story. So the three lessons from Jesus from that story, uh, and we're going to go back and forth. Uh, but that's basically the story, just to set a foundation. Uh, there's 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 three lessons from Jesus in that story: how to build bridges instead of walls. Lesson number one. First lesson: uh, we have to be on the ground, not in the clouds. We have to be on the ground, not in the clouds. And it's, it, it sounds weird when I, you know, when I wrote that, I was like, people are going to think I'm nuts. But uh, Jesus' whole ministry was done from the ground, right? He came from the clouds, you know, he came down, and his whole ministry was here among the people. And verse 5 and 6, you know, he, he, didn't, he didn't pass through Samaria. He stopped there. He stopped there amongst the people that, you know, hated Jews. So he was, a, he was on the ground. Um, you know, I, I can't stand flying on airplanes. Uh, I was in the military and I flew all the time, but I, I, I just can't stand flying on airplanes. I hate it. I hate flying commercial. I know we're not supposed to say hate in church, but I hate it. Um, and does anyone like flying? That was more than first. Yeah, you like, yeah. Everybody like, yeah, my wife loves it. She's like, oh, we got treats, and we got to stop by Starbucks. And it's like, dude, let's just get through this. I always get picked for security checks. I, I, every flipping time I get picked for the extra, you know, pat down or whatever. One time I was flying. I used to be in the Army, and I was in my uniform, and I was, I was flying on leave. And uh, I was in the line, and the the what they called, like the TSA people, were like, uh, he pointed, he said, sir, we're going to have to have you step aside, you know, and I thought, you know, someone needed to get through or something, oh, okay, and he's like, no, no, come with me, I'm like, me, he's like, yeah, you, get over here, <laughs> and, and so I got picked for a security check when I was in my uniform, <laughs> man, are you kidding me, 
And so, like, I always get picked. Like, I thought, I thought I was, uh, anybody remember that show on MTV, Punked? Anybody remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought I was getting punked. I was waiting for, you know, Ashton Kutcher and all his crew to come out and be like, bah! But it was real, and they really checked me, and I'm sure, like, 20 terrorists passed through as the Army guy was getting, you know, <laughs> checked. But, uh... Yeah, but you ever notice when you're on a, a, you know, uh, an airplane and, um, you know, you're looking out the window maybe if, if you have a window seat, but, you know, and you can see what's going on around you. You can, you know, depending the location of the uh, airport, you can see the city. You can see stoplights. You can see them loading the luggage. You can see other uh, airplanes taxiing around, you know. You can see what's going on, and then you, and you go to take off. And the higher you get up in the air, you look out the window, and, you know, the cars are getting small. And, you know, you, the stuff that's going on on the ground is, is starting to, you can't really tell details or whatever. And then you get above the clouds, and you look out the window, and all you see is clouds. You can't tell what's going on on the ground because you're so far up in the clouds. That's kind of what I'm talking about. You know, I, I think as, as, as church people... Uh, <laughs> careful here. Uh, as, as church people, um, you know, we tend to maybe get a little too spiritual, um, and we, we spend so much time up in the clouds, and we forget what's going on on the ground. We forget how to connect with people. We forget how to connect with culture. We forget how to be relevant to the very people that the gospel was meant for, because we're so far up in the clouds, you know. Uh, we're, we're, we're so <laughs> spiritual that we forget how to, how to be real, and how to actually connect with people. There's a singer, uh, Lauren Daigle. Anybody know her? Yeah, good. Yeah, we sing a couple of her songs, so if you, if you don't like her, then just get the worship set and come back when we're not singing. But uh, um, yeah, so she appeared on The Ellen Show uh, a while back. Um, and, you know, some people don't like Ellen. I like Ellen, I, you know. Yeah, yeah, she's funny. Yeah, see? Um, so she appeared on that show, and, and um, man, she got so much backlash from the church. If you look on social media, man, like, people were just tearing her up. How dare she, uh, you know, go on there and associate with, you know, whatever that show supposedly represents. The ironic thing is that Ellen gave a copy of her CD to every person in the, you know, so Ellen was passing out, you know, stuff, you know, and she sings that song, uh, You Say, talking about Jesus, what, what he says about you. The point is, she's on the ground amongst the people. That's the very place she needs to be, right? That's the very place that she needs to be. She went on, uh, I think she went on Jimmy Kimmel also or something like that, but she's in these, and she's playing at some jazz festival I saw. Uh, she's on the ground amongst the very people that the gospel was meant for, and, you know, people, and they tore her up, and I, you know, I read an interview, I don't have my phone, I left it back there, but she, she said, you know, it's, it's, the heart of God isn't for me to pick and choose who to be kind to, like, I can't, I can't pick and choose, like, Jesus loves everyone, like, that's the heart of God, there's a, uh, there's a scripture, John eight twelve. uh, Jesus, uh, is talking here, he said, um, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. 
So Jesus is light. You know, in order to see light, there has to be darkness, right? If you go, you know, if we were to shut all the lights off and then we all turned on our cell phones, we would see the light, right? If you go out here and you turn on your cell phone light in the sun, you can't really see it. And so in order for someone to see light, there has to be darkness. So when we walk, uh, you know, when we're on the ground with people, you know, we can come to church, right? And we can go to small groups. We can, we can go to Wednesday night prayer. We can go to Sunday morning prayer. All those things are good. But if we're only hanging out with church people, if we're only hanging out with church people, then how are we going to reach anyone? You know, there has to be a healthy balance. There has to be, a, you know, a healthy balance. We look at the life of Jesus and um, Jesus, there's a, I don't think I gave him the scripture, but just, uh, I just thought of it. In John 17, Jesus is praying to God and he says, don't take them out of the world. He's like, I don't want you to take them out of the world. Because he knew the importance of us being on the ground among the people. You know, Jesus would, would be on the ground among the people, and then he would escape and go talk to God, and then he would be among his disciples. There was like a healthy balance of what he did. You know, so we can't always just be up in the clouds, you know, with a bunch of spiritual people and all this. We have to be actually on the ground. Uh, my, my boys have started skateboarding, um, and I try to skateboard. Um, I felt my... <laughs> I got on a, uh, I got on my, my son's skateboard, and our drive, I, for those of you who've been in our house, uh, our driveway is like really steep, like really really steep, and uh, I was like, man, it's like you know I, I'm pretty good balance. I bet you I could ride the skateboard out of the garage, down our driveway, and I bet you I could turn up the street, and my and my boys are like, yeah, you can do it. <laughs> so I said, okay, I. So I, I pulled my wife's car out and I get at the very back of our garage and I get on the skateboard and I, you know, like stabilize myself and I push off and I go all the way down our driveway and I turn up the street and my boys are jumping up and down like, oh, that's awesome, dude. That's so cool. You're awesome. I was like, go get mama. She needs to see this. And so they ran in there and they got, uh, and they got my wife and um, she comes out and she's like, what? I think she was in the middle, you know, she was doing something for work or whatever, and uh, I was like, watch this, and I get on the skateboard, and I, I go to push off, and I push off, and I go down the, the driveway, and I'm like, here it goes, and I go to turn, and bam, <laughs> oh man, I ate it so hard, dude, like, everything out of my pockets fell on the street, and, and she's looking, and uh, she's like, what the heck? And, uh, and so that was my introduction to like skateboarding. And uh, I walked back and she's like, what do you want to show me? I said, yeah. So I was like, okay, I get it. But we started skateboarding and we, uh, and uh, well, they did. I, I don't, you know. Um, uh, we were at the Pueblo West Skate Park. And, uh, <clears throat> and I was kind of off to the side and they were, it was, a bunch of kids there, um, you know, probably like ages 15 to like six. It was a bunch of kids there. It was a nice day like today. And um, they were, you know, like among these kids, you know, and we raised them up in church or whatever. But uh, there was kids there who were, uh, you know, uh, talking the way that we don't want them to talk or whatever. And there was, uh, you know, some kids there who were, 
you know, off to the side, and they were, you know, smoking cigarettes and having a good time or whatever. And it wasn't a big deal. Like, my kids were there, and they were having a blast. Like, they, you know, w- w- with these kids that don't go to church. And we get in the car, and, uh, you know, I, I told them, I said, hey, man, uh, those kids are, you know, they say some words that, that we don't. They said, oh, yeah, we know, but we want to go back. We have fun with our friends. I said, okay, we want our kids to grow up and not just have friends from church. You know, we want our kids' light to shine in the darkness. We want them to reach people. And so that's my point, is you have to be on the ground with people. That's why we have the fall blast. You know, we let everyone come in here, our big fall uh, Halloween outreach. We let everyone come in here. We don't censor the um, costumes or whatever. Our youth uh, go out in the community, and they, and they do stuff. You know, there's a healthy balance of being on the ground instead of in the clouds. Point number two, put aside your own opinions. When, when reaching people, put aside, oh, they put it up there, cool. Uh, put aside our own opinions uh, when, we're, when we're trying to reach people. Romans 12, 16 says this, it says, uh, be of the same mind toward one another. Uh, do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. <clears throat> do not be wise in your own opinion. So be of the same mind to one another. You know what that you know what that saying is like. If, if if I see someone out in the world and I might not like how they're dressed, or you know I might not like how they're acting, and I act a certain way based on my own opinion, then I see someone who lines up with my own personal opinions, and I act a certain way towards them. It's saying we have to be the same mind towards one another, right? Take away our opinions. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Everyone has their own opinion. But when it comes to connecting people and reaching people with the gospel, we have to take away our own personal opinions and leave them to the side. <clears throat> in, in verse 9, uh, a Samaritan woman, you know, she said to him, like, you're a Jew, man, and I'm a Samaritan. You know, uh, the Jews don't associate with Samaritans. Uh, Jesus grew up Jewish. You know, the Bible doesn't really tell us too much of his childhood, but he grew up Jewish. You know, he grew up in a, in a Jewish household with Jewish opinions, and this, the, the Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. And so in dealing with this woman, he had to totally uh, take away everything he was raised up in. The Bible says that, that, that Jesus came down as a man. It said that he was tempted in every way as we were. So he had his own opinions. He was raised a certain way. And he had to take those opinions and he had to put them aside and build a bridge of connection with this woman. You know, a lot of things that that we were taught when we were younger, uh, our opinions are wrong. Pastor said this last week, um, and I thought he was going to, you know, tell all my notes because I was like, oh, I wrote that down. But, uh, you know, a lot of things we were taught and brainwashed in when we were younger are wrong. A lot of the opinions that we filter uh, you know, that we look at people the, through a lens of our own opinions are wrong. They don't line up, and we're, we're limiting uh, the gospel and the message of Jesus when we see people through those own opinions instead of the opinion of God that everyone's valuable. You know, no matter what you're doing, everyone is valuable to God. God has a plan for everyone. It doesn't matter. I'm living proof of that. The reason I'm up here, I, I, you know, for those of you who know my story, man, I should be dead or divorced or both because she killed me. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, and, uh, but God has a plan for everyone. And when we, you know, 
relate to people based on our own opinions. It, it just limits how far we can go with that bridge of connection. Proverbs 18.2 says this, uh, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. You know, most of the stuff that we, that we fight about um, in, in, in church uh, are based on opinion, you know. Maybe the guy showed up to preach in a t-shirt and tattoos. That's, that's an opinion, you know. <laughs> you walk out the door and that's, that's an opinion. Uh, and I forgot to say this. I normally say this when I get up here. Uh, if you get offended um, by what I say, uh, come back next week and then leave the church so I can't get blamed for, you know, running anyone off. But that's all opinion. Maybe, maybe you know, someone doesn't dress a certain way or maybe they don't act a certain way. Maybe they're not living a life that you think they should be living, but that's all opinion, right? We don't want anyone to live a destructive lifestyle, but when it comes to certain things, that's all based on opinion, right? I mean, I, we let our kids watch certain movies that, some people probably wouldn't let. We don't let our kids watch other movies that other people wouldn't let, but we can't base our own opinions on how we connect with people. That's the main point. Everyone's on a different path. Not everyone is like everyone else. And so when we build that bridge of connection, uh, we have to set aside our, our, our opinions, our own opinions. Okay? All right. Number three, don't sweat the small stuff. Don't sweat the small stuff. In verse 15, <clears throat> verse 16, Jesus told her to go call her husband. <laughs> she said, I have no husband. And he says, yeah, I know. I, uh, you've had five of them. And, uh, you know, but then he moved on, right? He didn't sweat the small stuff. Because, you know, in the big picture of things, someone might be doing something that is against what you believe. But in the big picture of things, in getting them to know Christ and building that bridge of connection, it's all, it's, it doesn't matter. It's all small stuff. You know, in the big picture, it really doesn't matter. Uh, and building a wall between uh, you and them, it's not going to change anything. I told this story in the, um, in the first service, and uh, I'll try to get through it. Uh, but I had a family member um, who I love <clears throat> dearly, and uh, he was living a lifestyle that I didn't agree with, really, you know? And I drove my stake in the ground, and I chose my own opinions and the small stuff over the relationship. And so they called me up. <clears throat> it was when we lived in Denver. Uh, they called me up, and they said, hey, uh, you know, I'm going to be in town uh, you know, I haven't seen you in so long. Man, let's 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 grab dinner. And I said, uh, I said no. You know, I I don't agree with what you're doing. Um, I said no. And I built that wall based on my own beliefs instead of what this is teaching us, how Jesus deals with people. And I I, I was stubborn, and that wall was up for years. And because I didn't agree with what they were doing, I, I, I chose that over connecting with this person. And since then, you know, that wall has been torn down. But you know, Isaiah 55 says this, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts 
are higher than your thoughts. It doesn't matter what we think. We can have our own opinions. We can, we can you know, believe that people are doing wrong, but his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And what are his thoughts? His thoughts are that everyone is valuable. Everyone has a plan, no matter where you came from, no matter what you're doing, God has a plan. You know, there's a, there's a scripture in Galatians 1 where, where Paul is uh, described, I think it's like 115, where, where Paul's like describing his life. And he says, um, he says, before I was even born, uh, God, God called me, um, you know, through his grace set me apart from his mother's womb and called me through his grace. And, you know, if anyone knows anything about Paul, like, the dude was crazy. Like, he, he, he led Christians to their deaths. Like, he violently persecuted the church. And there's other people all through the Bible where, like, you know, it doesn't look like that God has a plan for their life, and they go on to do amazing things. So when we see people, and they may be in a place that we don't think they should be in, they may be living a life that they, you know, uh, probably shouldn't be living we forget that Jesus is with us in our mess that when we were living a, a life that that, that that Jesus was was violently pursuing us like the shepherd and the sheep and that and that God had a plan for our life and even before everyone you know engages in whatever they're going to engage in God has set them apart and God has plans for everyone and so when, when we relate to people uh, we can't sweat the small stuff we can't sweat the small stuff. Uh, you know, pastor's mandate for this church is we're going to change the way people think about God. Right? Everybody heard that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's going to take everyone to get behind that and start to change this city. Yes. You know, it's going to take everyone, all walks of life, all levels of spirituality. Uh, it's going to take everyone. Um, nobody's more important than the next person. Everyone's valuable. And if we get behind this mandate, we're going to start to change the city. Just like Jesus built a bridge to these people and was able to go in there and, and all the Samaritans believed on him. A group of people that, that hated Jews, the very you know, religion or race that he was, they ended up going to him and, and they believed on him. Uh, verse 28 it says that the woman uh, left her water jar and went back into the town. I think it's so interesting that, that they put this in there, that she left her water jar. I was, I, you know, I, it was so weird. I, I was thinking that, like, why would they put that in there? And, you know, um, I believe that that water jar, it, it, it was a representation of her past, and, you know, when we come to Jesus, when we have an encounter with Jesus, whatever we're carrying with us, we leave with him, just like she left her water jar. You know, there's those of us who uh, have been carrying stuff around from our past for years, for years, and we need to make that connection with, with Jesus and leave our water pots, so to speak, at his feet, and then go start building bridges with the message of the gospel. Romans 2.4 says it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Jesus didn't, uh, you know, tell this woman she was doing wrong. He didn't tell her that, that her people were doing wrong. 
he just extended the grace that we talk about every week. He extended grace, and his goodness is what caused her to go into the town, and that town was transformed. The town was transformed. So that's pretty much all I have. Um, Just to review, number one, we have to be on the ground, not in the clouds. Number two, we have to put aside our own opinions. And number three, don't sweat the small stuff. And we can, man, we can begin to build bridges instead of walls. Begin to reach people with the gospel and the message of grace and the message of Jesus.